Right, our children may be dismissed this morning to go to Children's Church. Please open with me this morning to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. This morning we're going to be looking together at uh, working through verses 14 through 21. Uh, Last week we looked at this incredible account of the transfiguration of Jesus there on the mountain with with Peter and James and John. How the glory of Jesus was just made manifest and and shone so brilliantly through the, the shining of his face. And the whiteness of his clothes. And and Moses and Elijah were talking with him. And then the voice of the Father comes in and says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And and we discussed the the majesty and the beauty and the splendor of those moments that those three disciples were able to, to witness with their own eyes and their own ears for just a brief amount of time on that mountain. It was just a a preview of the full radiance and and full glory that those who belong to him will behold for all eternity. And this morning we see that that Jesus and these three disciples come down the mountain after this experience and in a very different way. The other nine disciples and the crowds that were gathered there at the bottom of the mountain will also get to view Jesus' glory in a very real way. But, but this time it's not going to be in his transfiguration. It won't be in hearing the voice of the Father. This time it'll be in the miraculous work of healing that Jesus performs. So please follow him with me as I read this morning, starting in verse 14. It says, And when they came to the crowd... A man came up to him and and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately, and they said, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And then uh, most versions add this verse, but this kind never comes out except by prayer and fasting. And so um, this morning as we walk through this text, we're going to kind of look at a series of, of D's, of things starting with the letter D. And so as we do, the, the first D that, that I want to look at 
this morning is a desperate father. A desperate father. We see this in verses 14 through 16. We see there that, that Jesus with his three disciples, they, they come down from the mountain. There, there's a crowd there waiting for them. Mark tells us that there were scribes, Jewish scribes there who were arguing with the nine disciples that had not gone up the mountain with Jesus. And in the midst of the arguments and the crowds and the noise, we see that this father approaches Jesus and he, he kneels before him and he asks that Jesus have mercy or, or have pity on his son. Luke tells us, actually, this, is, this was this man's only son. And he had brought him to be healed. And his, his son here suffers from some kind of epilepsy. He had seizures. They said he suffered terribly. Often when he had these seizures, he would fall into the fire. Or he would fall into the water. And, um, and so you can imagine the, the heartache and the worry and... Um, just the constant supervision as a parent you would need to have for or a child with this, this kind of illness. And so this father had, had come to, to seek healing for his son. He had gone to the nine disciples that were not on the mountain, and, um, and, and they couldn't heal him. They were powerless to help. They were ineffectual. Their attempts to heal this boy did not work. And so... The father presses on, kind of past the disciples to get to Jesus himself. And so we see this uh, desperate father here, just very much desiring healing for his son. And the second thing we see is a displeased Savior. So we look at Jesus' response in verse 17. He says, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? It's just, um, as Jesus looks at the, the crowd, as he looks at his nine disciples who were not able to, to perform this uh, miracle of healing for this man and his son, um, we kind of get a, a, a glimpse here into uh, the heart of Jesus, kind of a rare thing. And you think about, he's just, this is just after he's been transfigured. Right? It's just after he, the glory shining through him. Speaking with, with Moses and Elijah, he's just heard the approval of his father, the father that he, from eternity past, had been in perfect relationship with. And now he comes back down this mountain. And he's confronted with these crowds and with desperate people who are longing for healing and, and he's confronted with sickness and disease and, and sinful hearts of everyone around him and he hears that again even his own disciples weren't able to help this man and his son and just leads to this very honest comment from Jesus faithless and twisted generation but notice at the end of his statement there Jesus says bring him here to me. Bring him to me. And so then in verse 18, we see this third D this morning of Jesus as deliverer. Jesus delivers this, this young man, this, this boy from 
um, this epilepsy and the, the troubles that he has. It says here, after Jesus, in verse 18, after Jesus rebuked the demon, it came out of him and the boy was healed instantly. Jesus spoke to this demon that was causing this boy such grief. Gave a verbal command to the demon to come out of the boy and instantly it was so. Demon who the disciples had tried everything, couldn't heal him. And, and Jesus speaks a word and the demon left him and the boy was made well. Again, this is not the shining face, it's not white garments, but it's no less a display of the glory and the power and the majesty of Jesus that he merely speaks to this demon here that, that is, is causing this man's son so many issues. And it's gone. This, this demon here that Mark tells us the son had since childhood. And we remember back to chapter 8 of Matthew when the disciples were in the boat with Jesus and suddenly there's this great storm that comes up and it says that they were afraid. And they went and woke him up and they said, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose up and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. And look at the reaction in verse 27. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even winds and sea obey him? Jesus speaks, and the natural elements of the world, the wind and the sea, obey him and do what he says. Jesus speaks, and the supernatural elements of the demonic world obey him. This is Jesus. This is the one who delivers. This is the one who heals. This is the one who makes whole. Sometimes he does it here and now as he did with this boy. Sometimes not. He may not always choose to do this, this side of heaven, but there's coming a day when he will. It's just a, a glorious thing to see again, to look to the end and to see the promise that God will dwell with his people. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. In the healing of this man's son, in this passage, just like the, the transfiguration that we looked at last week is just a preview. Just a glimpse of the glory that is to come for an eternity for those who belong to him. Luke, in his version of this event, then tells us the, the reaction that the crowds had that were there when this miracle occurred. And, and they had very much the same response that the disciples had earlier when he had calmed the wind and the sea. Luke writes, Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. Verse 43, and all were astonished at the majesty of God. 
being amazed and being captivated by the majesty of God in this work of Jesus. Now, we come and we look at Matthew chapter 17, and after seeing this desperate father and the displeased Savior and the Deliverer, in verse 19, we see deflated disciples. Matthew tells us here that that after all of this happened in in public view of the crowd, that Jesus' disciples went and they met with him privately. And they asked him, why could we not cast this out? You, You can imagine how they would have felt, right? Jesus coming up and with one word doing what night of them put together could not. The last time that my uh, folks were here in town, we were having lunch, and um, there was a jar that needed to be opened. And I took that thing, and I mean, I cranked on it, and I did everything. I got a, you know how you get the rag and put it so you can get grip, and I was cranking on it, trying to open it. And uh, my dad picked it up and went, pop, here you go. That's deflating, right? When, when somebody does something, that you have tried and could not do. So we can imagine how these disciples felt. And so they come to Jesus here and they ask him this question. Now this is also interesting to note because we see earlier in Matthew that Jesus himself had empowered and he had commissioned his disciples to do this very thing. So in chapter 10, verse 1, it says, And he called to him his twelve disciples, and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and heal every disease and every affliction. And it goes on to when it, uh, it records the words of Jesus as he sends them out in verse 8. And he tells them, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. And Mark tells us that uh, as they went out, that they did just that. He writes, that they did indeed, when they went out, they proclaimed that people should repent. And they did cast out many demons. And they anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. And yet there's something different about this man's son in this chapter. Something different as they approached him to try to heal him. And so then what we'll see in the next few verses is... The disciples' diagnosis. Jesus is going to tell them what happened. What went wrong. Why they could not cast out this demon. So in verse 20, Jesus says, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. And it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. There was something missing. There was something lacking of the faith of the disciples in this instance. They, it says they had little faith. Their faith was not effective in healing the young man in this passage. And we see many times in the gospel accounts when we, we're, we're looking at these miraculous events that happen. Um, that, that faith was a crucial part 
of receiving this miraculous work. Um, remember back to uh, Matthew chapter 13. Um, and it says that this is about Jesus' hometown of Nazareth. When he went there, it said he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief or their lack of faith. In chapter 9, Jesus said to the woman with uh, the issue of blood, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly she was made well. So faith, belief, this trust in the power of God to perform these miraculous works was necessary in carrying them out. And so what Jesus says here to his disciples, he tells them that if they have faith like that of a mustard seed. Um, again, we're told in, in Matthew 13 when Jesus uses this in a parable that um, it's the smallest of seeds used in the garden. Small seed, but when it germinates, when it grows, it actually becomes the largest of the plant in the garden, sometimes up to 15 feet tall. And so it seems in what Jesus is saying here to his disciples, it is something like the faith that you possess after these three years with me should have grown exponentially. It should have, have flourished into this great faith. And with the, the kind of faith that is real and is true and is active and it's growing, like, like a mustard seed does when it, when it sprouts and it grows into this 15-foot tall plant, that kind of faith, with that kind of faith, you would be able to say to this mountain, Move from here to there and it will move. Um, now this is, again, a, a figure of speech. This is not to be taken literally. Moving, moving the mountain here symbolizes, again, anything, any kind of seemingly impossible task that there is. You would do this with faith like that of a mustard seed. And then Jesus says here, nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible. That's an incredible statement. Um, but we also have to be careful to understand it in its context. Right? Because there's, there's always going to be like that one person, right? That says something like, oh, nothing will be impossible. So can you, you clap your hands and teleport to some other place? Can you turn a chicken into a pumpkin? Like, you know, all this ridiculous stuff that people will come up with. Of course, that's not the point of what Jesus is saying. The point here, Jesus is saying that nothing that I have commanded you to do, nothing that I have commissioned you to do will be impossible for you. So the disciples would be able to, to carry out all of the functions Jesus had given to them, right? To preach the gospel, to cast out demons, to heal the sick. All of those things that we saw from Matthew chapter 10, the disciples could do. They could do all of those things through their faith in God to do them. And then so we're left kind of asking, what, what does this kind of faith look like? What does it mean to, to have this kind of faith, to have this kind of trust in God that you're able to do all things and this is our last 
D this morning, dedicated prayer. We see dedicated prayer. Jesus tells his disciples in verse 21, but this kind never comes out except by prayer and fasting. Now, um, this verse is actually not present in the, uh, in the ESV or the, the NIV, uh, if you have those translations. So I, I'm just going to address this kind of very briefly. It's, it's a manuscript issue. So um, many of the oldest manuscripts that we have of Matthew 17 don't contain this verse. Verse 21. Um, if you have verse 21 in your translation, you probably have a footnote that says something like that. Um, however, this verse is definitely included in the manuscripts of Mark that we have in his account of this event. So we can be confident then that um, these words are true. They are inspired scripture. And we should read them that way. And so the thought is, here is that, um, you know, somewhere along the way, a scribe was copying Matthew, who's familiar with Mark. And so as he's copying, he kind of just inserts this verse in Matthew's version of this story. But again, we can take these words as inspired and authoritative truth because we have them in the book of Mark. And so Jesus is saying the faith with, with which, you know, nothing's impossible is the faith that seeks God in prayer. Um, Jesus had taught his disciples to pray in Matthew 6. And he gave them parameters for prayer. He, he gave them the model prayer, or the Lord's prayer. He had also shown them himself as, as he prayed. He would go, along, he would go to, to get alone. Away by himself, and he would pray sometimes throughout the night to the Father. And, um, and now Jesus is teaching them that if, if they're to be productive, if they're to be effective in carrying out the mission he has given to them, then it must be done through prayer. These nine disciples on their own could, could not cast out this demon, they couldn't heal. This man's son, it required this growing faith with complete trust in God to do what he had promised and given them to do. And that kind of faith we see here manifest itself in persistent, earnest prayer to the Lord. Uh, Jesus here is teaching his disciples through uh, this event what he would later state to them very plainly. He says in John chapter 15, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I think as we go through and we look at this account of, of what happens in these verses, we see a lot of application. Um, at this particular point for us. Now we have not been uniquely called and commissioned and sent out two by two by Jesus as the early apostles were in Matthew 10. That very specific time to cast out demons and to, to heal the sick. Again, that was a specific group of people at a specific time in salvation history. 
However, we have been called, and we have been commissioned, and we have been sent. At the end of his account of the gospel, in this book, Matthew writes, what we've come to know is the great commission. And there Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There's a job to do. There's a task that we've been given and we've been sent. We also have the great command of Matthew chapter 22, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Again, those things we've been called, we've been commanded, we've been commissioned, we've been sent to do. And the only way that those things will happen is through a faith that's like that of a mustard seed. That though it starts small, it grows and it flourishes and it becomes the tallest tree in the garden. A faith that deepens and grows. And again, this type of faith presents itself in earnest, continual prayer. The disciples here in in Matthew 17, they desired to heal this young man. They desired to restore him to health. It's something that Jesus had commissioned, something he had given them to do. And so then as we seek to apply this, we ask ourselves, what is it that we desire to do? What is it that the Lord has given us and sent us to do? It's loving the Lord with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. Well, how are we going to do that when our minds are so corrupt and they dwell on so many other things? How are we going to do that when, when our hearts are wicked in, their, in, in our flesh? They desire things that are not of God. It, it's only by prayer we're able to. To do this. How are we going to love our neighbors as ourselves? How are we going to think of brothers and sisters within the church body more highly than ourselves? As we're commanded to in Philippians 2. When in our flesh our hearts are so self-centered and selfish. When those neighbors that we are commanded to love act toward us in ways that do not elicit a response of love from us. It's only through prayer. Our desire to make disciples, to teach our children and grandchildren the gospel and the scriptures, only through prayer. Our desire that we would be a a church family who would make disciples. To envision us planting churches to to partner around the globe with people. To make disciples, to go and to share and to teach 
those on the other side of the world, to obey all that Christ has commanded. It only happens through prayer. All of these things we've been specifically called, been specifically commanded by God to do with our lives can only be done through faith and through prayer. And so then the question this morning is, what does our faith look like? Is it constantly growing? Is it like the mustard seed that that starts so small but yet sprouts and becomes so large? Or is it stagnant? Is there more trust in the Lord now in our lives than there was five years ago? Are our lives marked by consistent, earnest prayer that the Lord would empower us, would grant us the ability to do those things He's given us to do? We all have to examine ourselves. We all have to ask ourselves those questions. Are the things that that the Lord has given us to do in His Word, are those the desires of our hearts? Are those the focus of our lives? Or have we gotten wrapped up and caught up in something else? We see this morning that Jesus is teaching us. We must be a people of faith and of prayer. For without him, we can do nothing. Let us pray. Father, this morning we're thankful for your word. Lord, we're thankful for how Lord, we see examples, Father, of your mighty work and the miraculous healing that takes place. We thank you for the instruction that we see of where Christ tells these things to his disciples, Lord, that we might apply to our own lives. Lord, help us to examine ourselves this morning. Lord, to see that our faith, Father, is constantly deepening, constantly growing and yearning for more of you. Lord, that we might be able to carry out the task that has been given to us. And so, Father, we...